Welcome to the Digital Missions Podcast, where we're raising up 1,000 digital billygrams to take Christ to culture. This podcast is in partnership with Think Eternity, the Digital Missions Collective, and the Ministers Initiative. To find out more, visit digitalmissions.co or the miagency.com. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Digital Missions Podcast. My name is John Groves, and I'll be your host. And you are going to love today's episode. I get to interview a great friend of mine named Elijah Lamb. He's a teenager from Florida, but he is a digital Billy Graham, if there ever was one. From TikTok to Instagram to YouTube, he's preaching theology, apologetics. This content is deep, and he's reaching his generation. You're going to love everything that he has to say. You're going to be encouraged and you're going to be equipped. So let's jump right in. And I'm here with my good friend, Elijah Lamb. He's from the Orlando area and just doing amazing things in the kingdom. I'd call him a digital Billy Graham or what we've been talking about on this podcast, a digital missionary. In fact, on TikTok alone, he's amassed a following of over 500,000 uh, at this point, or, or near that mark at least, and it's growing just about every single day. When I found Elijah, I found him because it was Christian content that he was putting out there. In fact, it was deeper apologetic stuff than I had heard from some college professors. And I was like, who is this dude? And then I realized he's 17. He's a junior in high school. And not that that puts a limit on anything, but he's doing amazing things. And I'm just honored to have him because he's one of my heroes. And so Elijah, thanks for being with us today. Dude, I'm so stoked to be on here. I'm dude, I feel so hyped up and encouraged right now from that introduction. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, I'm excited. Bro, you're doing all kinds of things. And I want to take a few minutes to kind of dive into the different facets of your ministry, whether or not you look at it like that. I don't know, but it, it, it is. But no, I definitely do. Yeah. When did you... Yeah. When did you get your start like on social media? What what brought you into that world? So, dude, growing up, I loved YouTube. I made stupid little videos. I tried to get YouTube YouTube famous over and over and over again. Um, but it wasn't until last year that um, on any platform I actually started to grow. Um, like most people, honestly, today I started making TikTok videos as a joke. Um just a joke amongst my friends. Um, and then a couple of them took off and I was like, well, this is, this is cool. I wasn't expecting this. Um, so I started the girl platform and just after a couple months, I had over a hundred thousand and I was just taken aback by it. So I, I want to ask you a few questions that maybe some people, uh, like younger than me are going to go, those seem pretty, run-of-the-mill questions, but I think there's another generation that's going to be fascinated by this. Um, why YouTube? Like you, most people in my generation, your generation love watching YouTube versus even regular TV. Why do you think that is? Well, I think you have a lot of freedom with the platform on YouTube. You can make fast-paced content or you can upload a whole sermon, at least when it comes to Christian content that way. Um, and so there's just a lot of freedom with what you can upload. You can really do whatever you want. Um, there's not a lot of trends. It's not very restrictive, at least. Um, and so it's a it's it's a fun place. And I, I find myself watching YouTube more than any other platform as well. Um, and I think it's honestly just grown to be a part 
of like culture, you know, in the same way that Netflix and those other platforms are. Um, it's just like a thing that we universally do. I don't know very many people who don't watch YouTube. Um, and it's honestly a very expansive platform where you can reach a ton of people. Um, you know, I watch a ton of YouTube myself. And so I, I just found it as a way that I could put more thought and more depth into the content I was making um, because TikTok, you can only go 60 seconds. And so it was a way for me to expound upon things that I was touching on in my videos. Absolutely. So if you don't mind me asking, what type of stuff do you like watching on YouTube? Like what takes you back to the platform as a consumer? Well, I watch, for me, it's just comedy videos, mostly like I don't watch a lot of Christian content on YouTube. Um, I hear now, like every now and again I do, but I watch a lot of commentary videos and just lately it's been a bunch of Star Wars videos, but it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, just a bunch, just, <laughs> Come just, on. just funny content, stuff that makes me laugh. Um, I don't know. No, I think that's fascinating because it, it actually, do you remember how old you were when you like watched your first YouTube video? Um, dude, I had to have been, it was, it was like the second year YouTube came out. I was five or six then. Yeah. So that's crazy. I remember, I remember the first time that like I discovered YouTube, I think I was like almost a teenager or something like that. Um, I actually started making, uh, music videos for YouTube. Um, but they were not like anything good that you would like they're all <laughs> hidden now none of them are out there to be viewed by the public because like this nerdy 13 year old was was uploading these just terrible videos but what's fascinating to me is that my generation and your generation has really just incorporated this into our lives and you go to the platform for comedy or you know, things that you're interested in. That's what the whole platform is for. People are searching out like their unique interests and they really get to determine what they consume versus like a network that tells you what you're going to consume. And so I think there's a lot of like potential there. So you jumped into this app called TikTok and started making Christian content. Like what, what drove you to start doing that? Well, the Christian content was not immediate. Um, I never thought that I would be using the platform the way I do now. Um, I thought it was just going to be a place where I would exist sort of neutrally, just making funny videos. And I never really thought about taking it seriously. Um, but then this summer, there like a lot of controversy arose um, with some serious social issues and just with Christianity itself, people were really attacking um, the faith of a couple people I know, but mainly um, a guy I've talked to a couple times. Um, and I sort of was like, man, I want to bear this burden. And I came to his defense. Um, and it was my, my plan basically was to make a series of videos um, defending him um, and, and defending, it was, it was about abortion. And I wanted to just say that, no, like we don't only have to construct the, the, the argument against it with spirituality. So I made that claim and said, um, yes, I am a Christian, but you can also think logically about things. Um, and so there's a way to make an argument to secular people um, without simply relying upon, well, it goes against the Bible, um, that there's more to it and that the reason those things are wrong is because God has placed that in a morality and, and whatever. So I, I made those videos and they really took off. Um, 
And a lot of people were saying like, this is a great way to, re- to present your opinion, even if I don't agree with you. And so I was like, man, you know, that wasn't so bad. That was okay. I was expecting just an onslaught of hate from people. Um, but I did get a lot of people on one video um, commenting sort of upset because I referred to the Bible as fact. Um, and so I was like, well, here we go. And the next night I was at my grandparents' house in their basement. Um, the Wi-Fi is bad. So I was take one video down there, run upstairs, wait for it to post, run back down and start recording again. But I'm standing in her mirror just making apologetics videos. Um, I, I was fascinated by apologetics after I read The Case for Christ um, my freshman year. I did a project on it in my biology class that year. So I, I love uh, I love apologetics. And so I made, I think, seven or eight videos that night um, on apologetics, on proving God, on, on proving the credibility of the Bible, and on using basically using my testimony um, as an evidence. Um, and that one, the testimony one and one of the, the evidence videos um, each have over a million views now. Um, and so that night they just blew up. The next morning I woke up and they had hundreds of thousands of views and I was getting tons of comments. Um, and that's, that's when I was like, all right, I can do more with this. Um, I went live. I did a live stream that night and I had more people in a live stream than I, than I'd ever had at that point. I had 900 people join. Um, and it was a lot of people that were angry. A lot of the angry people were waiting for me to go live. Um, so they could talk to me and I was frustrated, flustered, didn't know what to do. And someone just said, what's your testimony? Cause I'd made a video touching on it and I said, well, I can, I can do more on this. So I took the next 15, 20 minutes on that live stream to share my testimony with everyone that was watching. Um, and then I shared the gospel and I saw like around 150 people like repent of their sins and turn to Jesus for the first time. That is just stinking amazing that this all started with some live videos and a defense for someone else, like bearing a brother's burden, which is incredible. But you, you said something that I want to like explore a little bit. You talked about how there were some people that were like upset, but yet, and, and they came maybe hoping to dialogue with you. Like, how did you approach those people who didn't agree with you without being like hateful? Cause that's kind of what Christianity is, is known for these days. Just being like yelling at people and telling them that they're dead wrong. How, how do you navigate that? Well, I think for a lot of people, what it was, was they didn't watch every video of me. So they made this assumption that I was sort of arguing from ignorance, that I was just stupid. Um, and so they came on and I was like, well, here, listen, I don't, I'm not saying you have to agree with me. Um, this is just the way I think about things. This is the way my mind works. And so if you want to disagree, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to force you to agree with me. Um, I'm simply explaining to you why I believe what I do. Um, and then being able to more break it down and talk about those things. Um, I even had people um, join my Discord that week. Um, and so I had a buddy help me like silence the chat on there so it could just be a one-on-one between um, them and I. And just being able to formulate um, a logical argument, but still managing to maintain the love. Um, and that's sort of a hard thing to do for a lot of people where it's um, fact and love. don't Like fact and love don't have to be mutually mutually exclusive. Um, that they can and should come together when it comes to Christian apologetics. Um, and so it really was just going about it with the understanding that they think I'm wrong and that I'm stupid um, and that simply disrespecting or disregarding their opinion is not going to help them or show them the love of Christ whatsoever. Um, and so it just came from a point where I had to try and understand why they believe what they believe. And it came for me just asking a lot of questions. 
I just wanted to understand why people believe things. And so asking a ton of questions and coming from a place where I was respecting their understanding of things. So then they would do the same for me. Um, and that's, that's essentially how it worked. So where do you sit that you're able to have that type of deep dialogue with people? Is that something you're able to do at school or on social or both? What does that look like? Um, it's definitely more so online. Um, people online are, well, they're much more bold <laughs> for one thing in asking questions or making claims. Um, you know, you, it's a lot easier to be eloquent in what you believe when you're able to type it or think it out. Um, but I've had those conversations at school. Uh, there's definitely less of a platform for them there because people aren't constantly thinking, you know, when's the next time I can ask a Christian why they believe this? Um, I had freshman year for the first time I had a teacher. Um, I had that conversation with a teacher uh, out of nowhere. And so that was like a great opportunity, but those, those are few and far between um, for me at least. And so I take what I can get when I can have a conversation like that at school, I'm all for it. Uh, but they're much more reoccurring online. So speak to speak to your generation first. They're on social media and they're doing like goofy, normal or, you know, selfie things. Either they're go- going for an aesthetic or they're going for just like silliness either way. And, and that's not a bad thing, I don't think. But speak to them, like how can they utilize their platform for the for the great commission. Well, you know, I had that same understanding for a while. I just want to post silly videos and post pictures where I look cute and like, that'll be enough. Um, and the verse in my bio will be enough, <laughs> but it just, that just, that wasn't true. Um, and God revealed to me that that platform can be used for so much more. Um, I think that this has happened in history all the time. I, I, I've talked to you a bit about this before, but my favorite example is Christian radio. Um, that most Christians looked at it as sort of like a, well, I don't really know what's going on there, or I don't know how we could use that. But then a few pastors just decided to utilize that opportunity. And then there were people getting saved listening to radio broadcasts, which was unprecedented. Um, And it was because some people were willing to understand that it can be used for a greater purpose. Um, And I'll even say that for Christians that are making Christian videos, um, that we have to be careful because those Christian videos, the Christian comedy videos that people are making, um, and they're not bad I've made them, but when that's all that you make, you sort of exclude non-Christians and you you push them away from your page and from your content, um, and you'll only reach Christians that way. You know, they sort of create like a Christian club on the platform, and the challenging thing is for people is that they don't understand the references or the allegories or whatever, and so they move away from it. Um, but when we make content that is more broadly addressed, um, that is addressing everyone, it can be more effective in the Great Commission that... Um, people are generally not going to be led to the point of repentance because they see a funny video about like some trend being Christianized. Normally they'll just laugh it off or I'll have people comment like I'm commenting or they're choosing the not interested option so it doesn't appear anymore. Um, And so what I tell, I have a few Christian buddies uh, on TikTok, a group of guys that I've talked to for a while. Um, I made the group a while back and, you know, I've, I've even urged them to go beyond just making funny Christian videos, but making more inclusive videos and utilizing the, the live stream um, because people of all sorts will join that and you can answer all sorts of questions from Christians and non-Christians. But um, for, yeah, for sure, I'll definitely say that at least being bold with your faith, being public with it so people know, you know, that you are following Jesus and being broad in your content. Um, 
so that you can actually bring in the unsaved audience. You know, I mean, we are able when we make the the church based videos to reach kids who have grown up in the church that may not you know truly know Jesus, but the the totally lost the people who have never even considered Jesus Christ will not be fond of that content and they won't um, they won't follow you or they won't listen to what you have to say or whatever because they don't get it. That's so good. Bold in your confession, broad in your content, the key to, uh, to digital missions. So you talk about how people join these live streams and ask questions. So I don't want to give a, a number like what are the top three or top five? Cause it may be less, it may be more. What are some of the, the questions that your generation is asking? Because I think that people in my generation, especially the older generation are trying to set up straw men that they can destroy, you know, like they're trying to create enemies or questions that nobody's asking. So I'm just curious, like what, what are the topics or things that we need to be speaking to? And what are some things that we need to not be speaking to? Maybe you have answers to that. Well, you really have to understand the climate of today's culture. Um, we are increasing, increasingly becoming a postmodern culture. We are um, progressive and um, we've just, culture has evolved. Um, and so we see this like in the progressive movement and that, that from that movement, we have churches that are seeking to um, conform to culture. And instead of addressing these questions and answering them, they just change the answer so that it can be acceptable. Um, but I will say the, the questions I get most um, are on topics like homosexuality um, Abortion is a huge one. Um, universalism, like how I can believe that Jesus is the only way. Um, again, Christianity and in regards to other religions, those are what I get the most um, for sure. And it's it's a lot less kids asking deep, rich, systematic theology-based questions and more just where does God stand on these social issues? Um, do I have a misunderstanding of Christians like I need to know more about what you guys truly believe because they're not looking for those answers in the Bible themselves. So what we will see is that people are are questioning, attacking, or confused about a caricature of Christianity and not what Christianity actually is or should be. Um, that our culture doesn't see Christianity as, as a faith of peace or of love when it should. Um, that we are often seen as being ineffective in bringing the truth. You know, because people will say... You know what? You can believe what you want about these social issues. Just state, just leave me out of it. Um, but if we are able to present a true understanding of what we believe about those things, um, it, then people won't respond with so much hostility. Well, what I think about is when Paul says that he says well, to the Jew, I became the Jew, to, like a Jew, and to the Gentile, I became like a Gentile. It's, it's not that we, what we that, that we change the truth, that we alter it to please the people, but that the language that we use can make a massive difference in how effective you are in reaching the lost and reaching the people that again are hostile towards Christianity. And so for me, for example, with Christianity, um, I've answered or with homosexuality. Um, I've answered that question a million times. And what I've, what I've learned from answering it so many times is the things to say and not say so that people, um, have a, a general and true understanding of what the Bible says about that. So for example, you know, the things I'll say starting out is, for me, I usually just say like your sexuality is none of my business. That my um my priority in this life or my my message or my goal is never to convert someone from from gay to straight, but from lost to found, and that the Holy Spirit can deal with those things. Um, and so I'll say yes, I believe homosexuality is a sin, 
Um, but I'm not here like trying to say, hey, you need to work on that sin if you don't know who Jesus is. You know, mm-hmm. you can get rid of that sin all you want, but you still stand condemned if you haven't been set free by the grace of Christ. And so it's just trying to to answer those questions with love and with kindness, but with unapologetic truth. Um, and it really is about your tone and the language you choose to use. Wow. That's, that's so good. Starting at starting meeting people where they are. That's exactly what Jesus did. You know, he, he met Peter. He taught from the boat while Peter was a captive audience, but it wasn't until after Peter had a sort of understanding of who Jesus was that he said, launch into the deep, which I I think is a beautiful picture there. You have definitely launched into the deep because some of your content is like, dang, I'm gonna have to go watch that five more times and take notes <laughs> on this college course that you just, you know, reminded me of. And um, you, you've you done at length Bible studies on your YouTube channel. So curious, how do we effectively lead a generation from the starting point into the deep waters and not just leave them in the shallow? My generation, um, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I can say as a whole, kind of they stepped into the kiddie pool and then just stayed there. And all we ever talk about is that Jesus loves you. You're not doing that. Like you're talking defense for the faith and holiness and all of these biblical deep concepts you've had to study out. How do we lead people to where you are? Like what caused you to go deep? How do you take others deep? Well, it's really just they want to be taken seriously. Um, the more people empowered me and gave me opportunity to, to lead others, the more seriously I began to, to take the things because it, well, because I had to, because I was teaching, because I was leading. Like I was in a place of responsibility to know these, know those things. Um, I have an awesome uh, youth leader. She's like a second mom to me. And she always says that the, um, the best way to, to reach a kid's heart, um, to affect them is to give them the chance to do something bigger than themselves. Um, when I was in fourth grade in our little kids program, I was a troublemaker. And so she walked in one day and says, Elijah, I have a job for you. And she put me on the tech team for our, our kids worship. And I began wow. to take, I began to take worship in our, in our, our kids programming in church more seriously because of that. Um, and so empowering and encouraging people and putting them in a position um, of opportunity will cause them to take the faith more seriously. Um, but also for me, it's, it's, I, um, Honestly, it's at that point where I address people as if they're a bit older than they are or a bit wiser than they are. Um, t- let me explain that. Like growing up, I always heard um, because I, I I love theology. I love the Bible. Um, and I knew a lot about the Bible as a kid. You know, I didn't know Christ very well, but I knew a lot about the Bible. Um, and I always heard from leaders, well, other kids just aren't at that level yet. So like, we're not going to talk about that thing. Um, and I understand the point with that group setting. But for me, what I say is, there might be someone in here who gets confused about some things, um, but that doesn't mean I just ignore the depth because there is depth. And so I can bring the depth and I can bring it in simplicity, but I can also address complexity at the same time because I'm speaking to a very broad audience. Um, and so not only when I say take seriously in giving opportunity, but take seriously in the, the way that I talk to them. Again, like teenagers and my, my, my generation wants to be taken seriously. Um, we don't like being talked down to. We have this like rebellious nature to us that you'll notice. And I think that's all teenagers, but um, maybe mine is especially rebellious. Um, but I will will say is just if, they're, if they don't feel talked down to, 
but talked to as if those important directly to them and that they're not uh, not smart enough or not wise enough or too young to understand or learn about those things yet, it'll go a long way. That is absolutely incredible. Um, uh, what an incredible leader that came to a fourth grader and said, hey, you're causing problems. I'm going to give you a, a position. That's, I mean, that's brilliant. That's exactly what Jesus did. And so cool that that played such a part in your life. And I love how you talked about giving away authority and giving away leadership. And so you're strategically positioned to speak to a generation on how to communicate to your generation. But I'd like to like, just as we conclude, I want to pull you out of your comfort zone just a little bit. And I want to ask you to speak up. I I want you to speak to the lead pastors, to the the people who are on social media in their 30s, 40s, 50s. I, I want you to speak to them and challenge them on how they can reach a generation. Because everybody's asking, how do we reach the millennials? How do we reach the generation Zers? And it seems like there's 70 million different books on the topic, but we talk a lot about Gen Zers, but it's not very often that we talk with Gen Zers. So I want everyone who's listening to just consider like they're having a conversation with you because they can if they want, but speak to us for a second and say, Hey, as a Gen Zer, this is what my generation needs. And this is, this is where an older generation may be missing the mark. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I have to say that for my generation, um, social media is the place of comfortability. Um, it is the home of my generation. Um, it's honestly the place where people feel most comfortable communicating with others, um, hearing things, listening things, finding answers. So social media is definitely um, a serious um, place of importance for reaching my generation. Um, it, like for me, the reason I've been able to reach so, so, so many people is because um, Christians making content um, on the app I was on and the way I was doing it was not monopolized already, that there was a lack of it. Um, and the moment I started doing it, it was like the, the, the Gen Zers, people my age just flooded in and followed after because my generation is hungry for God. They are, even if they don't look like it, the reason, um, they seem so increasingly far away from God is because they're longing for something greater that they have that God shaped vacuum in their soul, in their, in their heart that they're trying to fill with so much and it's not working for them. And that's why my generation is so depressed. That's why um, suicide is so high in my generation is because they're so hungry for God and they're not finding it in their place of comfortability. Um, And so it is a terrifying thought for this anxious generation to be taken out of their comfort zone. And so Social media is a great starting point. You know, for me, I often encourage kids my age to, once they've heard me and saying, well, you need to get plugged into a community and find leaders who can pour into your life. But it's not until they hear that and their place of comfortability that where they're willing to take that step. Um, secondly, again, it's, it's empowering the students you have. Um, looking at them and understanding that, you know, I, I, I preached on 1 Timothy 4 uh, on TikTok uh, a week ago um, and just talked about how the total calling, again, the, the total calling of the Christian life, sanctification, evangelism, all of it is on young people just as much as it is on adults. It is an equal calling. Um, and so, like I said before, it's it's taking them seriously. Uh, what I'll find is so many kids feel pushed away because, again, they feel talked down to. 
um, and they want to be ser- taken seriously and considered and and looked at as not less than but as equal. Um, that as your leader, as their leader, that you are willing to sort of relinquish some of your resp- responsibilities so that they can feel valued. Um, again, it's not just like you're handing that off um, haphazardly, um, but being careful and intricate in seeing the students that that you give those responsibilities to. And I will say for sure that when youth groups do this, when leaders do this, empower young people, it incentivizes more young people to come. Um, the first time I ever preached a youth group, like five or six kids that I could never come to church came because I said, hey, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm preaching. It would be really important to me if you came and they were willing to. Um, and so that like, again, just having other students serving and leading and, and being a substantial part of your youth group is seriously important. Um, at my youth group, we have um, a student leadership team and they have left a ton of the responsibility in our hands. We have students that are running greeting, making sure everything gets set up. We have students that just ha- have been running worship. Um, they let me preach a couple weeks ago. Um, like a t- most of our greeting team, our signing team, all that is run by students. And it just, the reason is, um, is because Gen Zers are sort of intimidated by adults. Um, it's much, much easier for us to to talk to, to other other students and other kids um, if those other students take the first step. And so if you are raising up and discipling a, a team or a group of young people that are willing to do that kind of stuff, um, it's like an army. And it will be more, at least I think, more effective. Um, 10 students will be more effective than 50 adults um, because of who you're trying to reach, because you're trying to reach young people so good. So suppose I'm a uh, 45-year-old, been in the church for a long time. I'm, I'm maybe downloading TikTok or Instagram or I'm getting on Facebook, you know, with this approach for the first time. Give me 30 seconds. Where do I start? Well, first of all, just work on not being cringy. Um, that is what the kids will come for you for. <laughs> um, but it's also not trying too hard to be modern, but just... Dude, find your own unique thing as an adult because you won't blend in trying to be like a teenager. There's two really good examples of people that are doing this. Um, Grayson Bearden and Alex Dion Wilson. These um, are two of my absolute favorite creators. They both do two totally different things, um, but young people love them and they eat it up. Um, and so like Grayson, he's neither of them are very old, um, but like Alex has three kids so uh, he's <laughs> like, he's certainly not like a teenager anymore. Um, he's experienced and he knows what he's doing. Um, and his content draws so many people in and he's had so many videos like blow up and get millions of views lately because he is doing the whole thing. What I said with the, the broad range of who he's addressing um, and he has his own unique um, way of creating. Um, and again, with Grayson, he uses a lot of creative different ways to, to, to do the trends. He can do it. Um, I love you, Grayson. Sometimes they're cringy. He knows that, but, but people love them anyway. Um, and so it's just, <laughs> it, it's hard to figure out because I don't know how I would do it as an older person. Um, like, I don't know one day when I'm just going to not understand like what my kids are doing on the internet. I hope that doesn't happen to me, but just looking at those guys examples and um, not doing your best to replicate, but to find a unique way um, that suits you as an adult that, that you can reach younger people on the platform. So good. I love Alex. I love Grayson. Um, and yeah. Elijah Lamb is my, uh, my third favorite creator on, on the app. And so 
I want I want to say to man, first of all, thanks for investing in us on this podcast today. Like this is solid. This is gold right here. And I know that if you're listening, you're going, I, I've got so many more questions. So what we're going to do is we're going to link to all of Elijah's socials in the show notes here. So you can, you can follow him on all the things, um, this, but specifically TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you're going to love what he posts there. Um, I know when I first saw you, I was like, I, you were doing mm-hmm. like some sort of a, a video, like in the mirror, a defense for Jesus. And you're just like zooming in and out on yourself in this mirror. And I was like, <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> and then it was so good that I posted it to my Facebook and shared it with a bunch of old people. And I was like, you've got to check this out. So I want to say to every youth pastor or pastor, event coordinator, whatever that is listening to this video, like you are doing your church a disservice if you do not have <laughs> Elijah Lamb come and speak to your students. And I mean that with all of my heart. Um, do a D-Now weekend, do a special Wednesday night or Friday night sort of a thing. Uh, there will probably be people from TikTok that show up to see him. But um, I was just talking to Elijah the other day about the Welsh revival and how when it began, there were all these young girls that showed up to see this good looking preacher and then revival <laughs> and it set the world on fire. So man, uh, Elijah may be the, the, the next Welsh revival. He, he may be the next Evan Roberts. I, I don't know. Um, but I will say you've got to have this guy come speak. It's going to be deep. It's going to be engaging and passionate. Um, if you're doing an apologetics conference and you want to have somebody who doesn't have gray hair, this is the dude like you, you, you've got to have him. And so I just want to personally vouch for Elijah Lamb. You've got to have this guy come preach. I've listened to him. He is phenomenal. And if you're not following him, you need to. He's going to help you keep your finger on the pulse of an entire generation. And you may not always understand everything that he does um, or says, you know, like there's going to be some goofy things that you're like, what in the world is this? <laughs> um, it, that's going to be good. Uh, broaden your horizons a little bit. Learn from this dude. And I, I believe he's wise beyond his years. And dude, I believe God specifically anointed you to be a revival carrier to this generation. And you haven't even begun to see what God's going to use you to do. So I'm proud of you, dude. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Everybody go follow him on all of the things and check us out next month on the Digital Missions Podcast. Hey, thanks for spending a few minutes with us today at the podcast. I know your time is valuable and I hope that this was beneficial to you. Thanks especially to those who take the time to rate and review the podcast. You mean the world to us as you're helping us raise up digital billygrams to take Christ to culture. Speaking of that, there's an opportunity for churches as well. In fact, if you'd like to reach more people with the gospel, I want to challenge you to visit digitalmissions.co. There is an incredible opportunity for your church to empower digital Billy Grahams, but to be a hub for the gospel as well. We're talking about reaching a million people this year, and that's something incredible, never done before in the past. And we want to help you do it at digitalmissions.co.